Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. <laughs> if you're an Avengers fan, you appreciate that show right there. And uh, especially the ability of Hawkeye to work the sword. That guy can do crazy things. As, well, as he's a superhero. So, um... <laughs> It's all pretend, it's all crazy, but uh, the one thing that's real is our war that we're in as Christians, and I'm going to talk about that a lot more in just a moment, but I want to encourage a couple things, uh, baptism again next weekend, and so we're going to have a great time baptizing, and we just encourage you to sign up for that so that we're prepared and ready to uh, baptize you. It'll be right here in front of us, and it'll be a great time. Uh, to be baptized. Also, be careful on the 4th of July. Happy 4th of July weekend. It's amazing to see you here. And uh, <clears throat> I, I, I still find myself adjusting my expectations because in Seattle, if it was a, a bright and sunny day, no one shows up to church um, because there are very few bright and sunny days in church. And I'm just impressed that you guys are here on this weekend. And it is a bright and sunny day. But if you didn't come to church on a bright and sunny day in California, you would never be at church, or at least rarely. And so I'm glad you're here. And uh, next Saturday, this coming Saturday, is the celebration of life for Cheryl Barnd. And um, we are privileged to be a part of that experience right here. And we just want to encourage any of you that are able to help. Uh, we need your help. So if you could go to the green wall in the back, uh, talk to Julia my assistant, and um, we would love to get your help. We need help serving, hosting, all those kinds of different things that are going to go on this weekend. So if you're able to help us, that would be amazing. So please let um, go to the, the, the green wall back here, and you can let them know that you're interested, or uh, visit my assistant, Julia, and she would be happy to put your name down, and we'll communicate with you what all those details are. Armed and Dangerous. We are two weeks away from finishing that. This is, this is the second to the last week. And I believe that if we will take seriously the fact that we are warriors, that we have um, entered into this relationship with Jesus Christ, and I realize our, most of our motivations have been, I want my sins forgiven. I want the promise of eternal life. We kind of went with John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Woohoo! And you're going to be in a battle. And you're going to fight a war. And you're going to be attacked. And there's fiery darts that are going to shoot at you. And, and you are going to be a, a, a target of the enemy. The devil himself is your enemy. And uh, that's crazy talk. But over those last several weeks, we've talked about the belt of truth. We you know, jokingly said they're the spanks. They're the shapewear of truth. They're, they're the belt that shapes us into what we need to have to, to hang all the rest of the, the armor on, but most importantly, to have the truth as the center of our lives. We've talked about the, the breastplate of righteousness and that that breastplate labels us. We are righteous in Jesus, not because of anything we've done, but because of the robe of righteousness that we wear, the breastplate that protects our heart and our mind. We've talked about all kinds of, of, of different things. We've talked about breastplate, the shoes of the gospel of peace. 
and how that gospel, the good news, is what we take into every battle that we fight. And we have the, the, the privilege of taking into battle, not, not the ability to destroy, but the ability to bring life, the good news of Jesus Christ. We talked about there's no bad news after Jesus Christ. There's no good news before him. That without Jesus in our lives, there's no good news. You can have happy birthdays. You can have all those kinds of things. But you're still on your way to a place that was never intended for you to go. But with Jesus, there's no bad news. You can have any kind of disease. You can have any kind of persecution. You can have anything go what we would call wrong in life. But in reality, our hope is in Jesus Christ and eternal life. And therefore, there is no bad news. We've talked about the helmet of salvation, that we can't lose our head, that salvation is the core of everything that we have. And if we don't, if, if the enemy can get us to doubt our salvation or try and achieve it, then he's doing everything that it takes to destroy our lives. But if we will just put our faith in the reality that Jesus has rescued us and saved us and given us a hope, we will keep our heads. In the context of the battle, Pastor Duane did a great job of talking about the shield of faith. And having that shield protect us from the enemy's darts. And again, all of these tools, all of these weapons of war, these, this armor, are uh, defensive pieces of armor. And today we're going to talk about the sword of the Spirit. This is a cool sword. <clears throat> I was given this sword when I was a, a pastor in Seattle. I was a pastor at a church for 13 years. And one of the board members was a Marine. And when I left... They got me this. And at the time, I was a little disappointed because I, I would have much rather had a table saw. Because <laughs> I'm a tool guy. I love tools. But you know what? I've learned to appreciate what this really means and what it values in uh, my service up there and as the sword of the Spirit. This is a long sword. This is actually not the right length for the type of sword that we're going to talk about today. Um, but nonetheless, it is a sword, and it is still a close-in contact. It's not, you can't, you know, fight at a distance. Maybe that far away is as close as, or as far as somebody might have to be to fight. But this sword is the real thing, and you, you can come up and mess with it later if you want to, but you can't poke, this is like the real thing. It'll draw blood. And so um, it's not super sharp along here, but that point will do some damage. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We have to understand that the devil is never going to lay down and just give up. He's never just going to lay down and stop. He's never going to try and, and, and go, oh, I'm tired of fighting you. I'm done. He's always going to come at us. He's always going to be doing anything he can, especially if we're on fire for God. The way you guys worship today, the way you guys sang, the heartbeat that you have for, for God and who he is, is all a threat to the enemy. And he's going to do everything he can to attack us and to take life away from us. The, the Bible says he's, he exists to steal, kill, and destroy. And as a result, he's never going to give up. And the principal nature of his attacks are these four things. He will deceive us. He will divide us. He will try and destroy us. Or he will try and distract us. 
Those four things are powerful realities of what the enemy is going to do. He's going to deceive us. He's going to tell us that, that God isn't real or that whatever his principles aren't true. He's going to try and deceive us. He's going to divide us, pull us apart. He's going to try and destroy us and destroy us by, by taking away uh, our lives, by taking away our hope. And he's also going to try and distract us by turning our heads in different directions. And that's never good. And those are the, those are the principal uh, tools that he uses to come at us. Those are the fiery darts that he's going to show, shoot at us. And if we don't have the skills and the ability to put on that breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the shoes, shoes of the gospel of peace, if we don't have the shield of faith, if we don't have this sword, which is the only piece of armor that's talked about in an offensive way as opposed to a defensive way, then we will fall to the enemy's efforts. In Ephesians 6.10, I've read this every week. We've read this every week. And we said, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So we have to be strong in him. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The point in defeating the enemy is to be the one standing at the end. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. In other words, this is a spiritual war, not a physical one. So important that we realize that, and it'll become more, even more clear today. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I want to talk just very briefly about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We have every responsibility to take up this tool that God has given us. This tool is something that is powerful, that is spiritual, that is truthful, that is, I'll say this, the truth is we are never more anointed We are never more truthful and we are never more powerful than when we speak the word of God. I read in a book recently, um, it's called just Anointed Preaching. And I I read this in this book and it was was a good reminder for me to, to remember that there is never a more anointed time in a message than when the word of God is being read. Not because I'm reading it, Not because anybody else is reading it. Not because it's coming through the the sound system. But because it is the word of God. And this word of God, this book, and and the words in it represent the breath of God. The Bible says that this is the anointed or this is the inspired word of God. In other words, God breathed life into this book just like he breathed life into you and me. And so the words in this book, the the meaning behind this book, the heart behind this book is that God is revealing himself to you and me so that the power of this book can transform our lives and we can therefore transform this world. And the, the, the challenge is, are we armed and dangerous? 
Do we have this in our hearts? You see, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is something that is significant and powerful and, and, and real. And really, the only way to use this... Now, what's really interesting about the word sword is that this, the, this sword is too long. What the, the sword that they're mentioning in Scripture and they're referencing is another one that's only about two feet long. And here's the power of that thought, is that there's no way to use that sword from a distance. Unless you're going to throw it and then you lose the authority of it. You can't use it when you don't have it in your hand. And you're not going to use it unless the enemy's right in front of you. That means you and I have to understand that we are always going to be in close battle with the enemy. We're not going to be at a distance. And, and here's the truth. And I think this is really, really important. When things are at a distance, they're small, aren't they? They look small. And we tend to go, oh, that's just not, that, it's insignificant. I was watching one of those YouTube things, and um, I'm a little weird about what I watch on there. I, li I like to watch, like, the tsunami videos. That's not because I, I enjoy watching people die or anything like that, but it's, I'm, I'm a crisis guy. I'm, I'm, I'm weird that way. I, I, I like to see how people respond in crisis and all those kinds of things. But I watched this one video, and I, you could see way in the distance this little kind of ripple in the water. And from, a, from the distance, it didn't look like anything. It didn't look like, I mean, it looked like, a, you know, a little wave coming up going. But in all reality, this thing was a tsunami. This was 10 feet higher than normal, and it was on its way, and you could hear the sirens start to go off, and people were looking at the distance kind of going, what's going on? I don't know what's going on. They were looking out there, and, and it was just a little ripple. But the people that took the horn seriously started running, and the people that didn't stood there and watched, and eventually all you saw was them get swallowed up by this huge, massive wave. It destroyed this entire... And, and we tend to do that with the enemy. We tend to see him from a distance and go, oh, he's, there's no harm there. Oh, it's okay. Oh, it's not going to affect me. Oh, there's not going to be... And, and as soon as he keeps coming closer and closer and closer, he gets bigger and bigger, and pretty soon the problem is right in front of us. And if we don't have the Word of God, if we don't have the power of this Word in our heart and in our head, and we aren't ready to do, go to war, we will be easily overcome by the enemy. And church, I believe this morning that what God's calling us to do is, one, be prepared. Don't, don't be fooled that what's out there is little and small and it's at a distance and it's not affecting you right now because later on, it just might. Later on, it just might. It's the enemy's deception to help us think that, oh, nothing's going on, everything's okay, everything's all right. It doesn't mean we need to live in paranoia. I don't like that. But it does mean that we need to live in reality. And the reality is the, that battle is coming at us. And it will impact us and it will have its effect on our lives. The purpose of this sword is to fight in close and to slash and to do damage and to, do, and, and to take care of the enemy and fight in those close-in battles. When you're tempted, when you're distracted, when you're tempted to cause division or when you're tempted to be a part of something that God doesn't want you to be a part of, it's not way out there. It's right here. It's your current life. It's your current circumstance. And if you don't have a weapon to fight it, 
then you are going to fall in that battle. And we have to realize that. This book is made up of 66 books with 40 different writers, but one author. Okay? You may, you may hear somebody say, there's 40 different authors. No, there's 40 different writers and one author. You hearing what I'm saying? There's 40 different people that were inspired by God to write the chapters in this book. That's so important to realize. You know, we talk, we, we talk about the personalities of the, of the writers and those kinds of things that do come through in the writing of these books. But in reality, those personalities, those, those people were inspired by God. God was breathing life into them to breathe life onto those pages so that you and I could have the truth today. Some estimate that it was over a period of 1,500 years that this book was written on three different continents. And the reality is this book is sacred. This is the, the core, the center of our lives. This is what we put our faith in when we read it. For it is the inspired word of God. It's the inspired word of God. Do you embrace it? Do you, do you hold on to it? Do you hunger for it? I realize, you know what? The, one of the hardest disciplines for Christians is reading their Bible. Guess what the next one is? Prayer. Guess what my worst one is? Fasting. <laughs> it is my worst one. Lord, help me. Let's look at each part of this passage real quickly. The sword. The sword is an offensive and a defensive weapon. I love Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says this, For the word of God is alive and active. This is not a dead book. This is not a history book. This is not some kind of book that you, it's not a fictional book. It is true. It's real. The Bible says of itself that it is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. The powerful thing of this sword, no matter which way you swing this, it's going to do some damage because there's blades on both sides of it. And if I were to sharpen this, it would be especially dangerous as to which way I could swing. I could swing this way. 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 No matter what, it's going to cut. And that's what the Word of God is to our lives and our hearts. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It gets right into the middle of our lives. Metaphorically speaking, but spiritually reality, it digs deep into who we are. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. In other words, the Bible, once you start reading it, is going to shine light into dark places of our lives. This is one of the reasons people don't like reading the Bible is because it tells the truth about us. But it's powerful. And not only is it powerful to read our hearts and minds, but it can do damage to the enemy's efforts to try and destroy us. And if we don't have it in our hearts, then we are working with a dull tool. It's like fighting the devil with a butter knife. It's just not going to work. Stop. <laughs> devil, go away. You got to have a tool, man. If you're not going to have a sword, you're, you're, you're walking up the wrong path. This is like devil out. 
you're okay. I got a good grip. That would be awful. That would be awful. It's alive, it's active, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's the tool that we have to defeat the enemy. It says it's the sword of the Spirit. Of the Spirit. That, that phrase simply means that it's of, it, its origin comes from the Holy Spirit. The truth of the Bible, the, the, the inspiration of the Bible, the, the, the content of the Bible doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from ideas or, or uh, <clears throat> theoretical ideas or anything like that. It comes right from the heart of God. The Holy Spirit. This is no average book. This is the words of God. I've said this many times. You'll hear me say it many times again. If you ever want to hear the out loud voice of God, just read this out loud. Don't wait for some cloud to open up or some crazy voice you hear in your head. Read this book. This is what we need to know. If we want to know God's heart, if we want to see God's truth, if we want to have it change our lives, if we want to defeat the enemy, then we have to have the Bible in our hearts. It is of the Spirit. And the reason it's of the Spirit is because it is a spiritual battle that we need to, to fight, it, fight with. And so when we have this and we have the Spirit's words in our hearts and in our heads, then we are able to fight the spiritual battle with the enemy. Because it is spiritual, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is a spiritual battle, and this is our spiritual tool. So let me ask you, when you have a marriage problem, do you first go to a marriage counselor or a marriage book? Do you find somebody in the flesh that can help you? I'm not saying those are bad ideas, but... What are you praying for? Are you going to the spiritual uh, heart of God and saying, God, speak to me about my marriage. Speak to me about how I can love my wife. Speak to me about how, how we can reconcile the pain that we've both experienced. How, have you gone to the spirit to do the spirit work that is trying to divide your family before you try and mend the physical part of that relationship? Too often we address our issues by, by trying to address them through the world first rather than through the Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit speak to our lives. I'm not against counseling. I'm not against any, any effort to make things right. But I am against or uh, for making sure that we approach the Spirit and let the Spirit work in our lives. Let the Spirit work in our hearts to mend those problems. Do you have money problems? Which bank is holding you up? God or B of A? <laughs> if you have temptation problems, are you reading a self-help book or are you reading God's word? One of my favorite passages of scripture is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation is overtaking you, such a, overtaking you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I quote that scripture every time the enemy tries, not, well, as many times as I can remember, to quote it. Sometimes, you know, it gets weird and sometimes you, you don't, you're not thinking scripture. But when I'm tempted and when I realize it, I pull that sword out and go, I, I, there's a way out. God's not going to let me be tempted beyond what I'm able 
There's a way out of this thing, and I'm going to get out of it in the name of Jesus. And use Scripture and, and use it to fight with. That's the, that's the way we fight. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was tempted in the desert. He, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and the devil came to tempt him and used Scripture against him. But every time Jesus came back at the devil, he said, it is written. It is written. He got the sword out, and he said, it is written. Three times the devil tried, and three times Jesus took the sword to the devil. And after the third time, the devil went, okay, I'm leaving. And he left. Doesn't mean that was the last time he made the attack, but Jesus won that battle. You and I win the battle with the sword of the Spirit. You and I win the battle when we quote Scripture and when we have it in our hearts. And the, the challenge is today is that studies are showing that we are the weakest generation of Christians in history, possibly, because we don't know the Bible. We don't know what it says. We don't memorize it. We don't read it regularly. We're not putting it in our hearts so that we might not sin against God. We're not meditating on it. We're not praying with it. We're not letting it soak in. Church, I believe today that we have to make a commitment. I love that uh, I've invited a bunch of guys to, uh, <clears throat> to read the Bible with me. Right now we're on two reading plans. And if I haven't invited you, it's just because I may not have your contact information or something. Or uh, I haven't gone all the way through the list. So please don't feel like I don't like you or love you. Um, but I've just invited a whole bunch of different guys to say, hey, let's read the Bible together. And it's a reading plan on... on, on on uh, my computer, and it's, it's awesome. And then we share our thoughts at the end of it. It's really cool. So if you'd like to be a part of that, text me, write me, email me, whatever you want, and I'll be happy to include you in that, on that. Right now we're on two. One is uh, Battling Shame, and the other one is, is called Fully Devoted, and they're both really, really good reads. <clears throat> and these are just for guys. Gals, got to set your stuff up. Okay. And so, because this, this is guy stuff. Because we're fighting our world with the Bible. Amen? Amen? Come on, guys. Let's do it together. The Word, the sword of the Spirit. The, the, the sword, this is, it's, everything that comes in here is from the Spirit. And the last part of this says, which is the Word of God. Which is the Word of God. Now, this is significant because the Word of God, the, the word for word is rhema. It's a, it's, it's a Greek word, and it simply says rhema. There's three words that are used for word in the Bible. And the first word is graphe, which um, is used in the passage in 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. In other words, all graphe, or all written scripture, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, everything that's written down here, everything that's graphe or graphic has been written here, and it's inspired by God. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practices likewise a man who built his house on the rock this word or the word for words is logos which is an applied understanding they're words but we take them and we put them in our heart this we read we we graph it we read the graphe we apply it 
with the logos. And then this word that we're using now is the the spoken word of God. Matthew 4, 4 says, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word or every rhema that comes from the mouth of God or the spoken word of God. And in this passage of scripture that we're looking at in Ephesians, this is the rhema. So this is the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema, the spoken word of God. And this is really powerful because if we understand this, this is the authority of God. So when we quote scripture and we're speaking the rhema of God, we're speaking the authority of God. Not our own authority by any means, because we can go, hey, devil, stop. He's like, (laughs) but if we say in the name of Jesus or 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that there is no temptation that has overtaken me, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, will not allow me to be tempted beyond what I'm able, but but will provide the way of escape also that I may be able to endure it. Get out of here. The devil listens. That just cut him up. That left a J right on his chest for Jesus. Not Zorro. When we speak the word of God, it is powerful. Like I said earlier, we are never more truthful than when we speak the word of God. We are never more anointed and inspired than when we speak the word of God. We are never more authoritative and empowered when we speak the word of God. When we do that, man, it just dices and slices the enemy. And we are victorious because God is, God's word is the rhema word. It's the spoken word. It's the authoritative word. And the devil has to answer to it. And my encouragement to you today is if we want to win this battle, we must become students of the word. We must become meditators of the word. We must become people who digest this and look at it and and embrace it and hold on to it and let it become the authoritative word of God in our hearts. And when we do, then we have the sword when the battle comes to us. And then we're able to take the battle to him. We can slice and dice the enemy. We can win. We can be victorious and I think too, too, for too long, the church has kind of relaxed. Relaxed about Bible reading, relaxed about ingesting the Word of God. I remember when I was a kid, man, there was there, always um, the, the, the Sunday school class teacher was always, in fact, my, my first Sunday school teacher, her name was Carolyn Walker, and she gave me a Bible. I remember that vividly. I was in, in, uh, five years old, and she gave me my first Bible from church, and, and that was the Bible that, that I was supposed to go and memorize and read. And I remember all the flannel graphs and all that old-time stuff that, that goes on. But today, our passion is for our kids to know and memorize Scripture. Our passion is for every adult to be a student of God's Word and to know exactly how to handle it so that when the enemy does come our way, we will stand in the end. And we have the authority, the rhema of God to speak to him. When he speaks, we speak the rhema of God even louder. When he attacks, we slash back with the rhema of God. When he tempts, we defeat his deception with the rhema of God, the truth of the word. The fiery darts are deception, distraction, division, and destruction. I think it's important that we would do an inventory in our heart right now just to say, God, where am I? 
Am I being deceived? Am I being distracted? Am I, are my eyes wandering? Are my, do I believe in the truth or am I accepting a lie? Am I part of a divisive, divisive attitude? I mean, in our world today, the, it seems like the win is to divide rather than pull together. Am I being destroyed? Is my life falling apart? The altar call today is to get a reading plan. Go to uversion.com, get an app on your phone, and read, read, read. I read everything on, on, on my, my mobile devices now, my iPad, my iPhone, my, my Mac. It's all there. There's no excuse not to have the Word of God with me at any time. Create an attack plan for fighting the enemy. If you need help finding scriptures to fight the enemy, just give us a call. Find a friend. Do some Bible study. In, in, in the, in the uh, Bible app, there are so many reading plans that can help you overcome whatever the weakness you may have. Just through scripture, reading plans. Memorize scripture. Meditate on God's word. You know what meditate means? Not this, um. But it does kind of sit there and go, I'm going to read this over and over and over again. You know how many times you, you, you should chew your food? You should just chew it and chew it and chew it and chew it. And that's what you have to do with Scripture. And then hide it in your heart. The Bible tells us to hide the Word of God in our hearts so that we won't sin against God. Memorize it. Hide it. Hold it. And when the enemy comes, you'll be able to pick up that sword and slash him to pieces. That sounds kind of brutal, huh? We should not have any sad feelings about being brutal against the enemy. We should never feel bad about hurting him because the only thing he wants to do with us is hurt us. He wants to hurt your family. So take away your joy. He wants to distract you from believing that God is the answer. So if he can get you looking at someplace else or something else, he'll take it away from you and he'll distract you. He'll divide you from your family or from your church. We need to be ready and never feel bad about quoting a passage that takes away his power, that takes away his deception, that takes away his distraction. And gives us the win. Amen? Amen. Amen. God, today, we hold this word in our hands, in our hearts, in our minds, and we commit to become students of your word, to become people that are equipped to take up the sword, which is the word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and use it against the fiery darts of the enemy. Like you gave us the perfect example of your temptation in the desert, Lord, help us to be strong and help us to be unapologetic about attacking the enemy with truth, with your word, and with the power of your word. Lord, I pray for every heart that's here this morning that is struggling, that's given in to temptation, that's fighting the battle. Lord, I pray that you give them the right uh, places in your scripture to defeat the enemy with. And may we work together. May we fight back to back, Lord, so that we can support each other and encourage each other with scripture, with the ability to fight and win and defeat the enemy in the name of Jesus. 
If you're here today and you don't know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, this is the first battle you have to fight is the one that gets you to that place of making a decision to follow Jesus. And if that's you today, I just want to pray for you. I want to pray that today Jesus will enter into your heart. All we have to do is say, Jesus, I, I confess my sin. I believe that you died on a cross so that my sin could be forgiven. Please forgive me of my sin. And Jesus, I believe that you were raised from the dead. And because he was raised from the dead, we have the promise of eternal life. And it's that promise that gives us hope. It's that promise that gives us joy. And then we say, Jesus, I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. If that's you today and you want to accept Jesus online or here on site, we just encourage you to pray this simple prayer right now. Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I admit I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. But I believe today that you died on a cross so that I could have forgiveness of my sins and that I can be righteous. I can be clean. And I can have all my sins forgiven. My shame and guilt can be gone. And today I can live with you for eternity because you rose again on the third day after dying. And today I believe that you promised me eternal life. And I accept that. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.